Hey, veterans. Welcome to the VA Claims Insider Podcast. We are veterans helping veterans get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve. I'm your host, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran Brian Reese, and each week we share VA disability claim tips, tricks, strategies, and lessons learned to help you win, service connect, and get rated at the appropriate level, even if you've already filed or been denied. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. All right, welcome, Bets. Brian Reese here, the VA Claims Insider, coming at you live from Austin, Texas. And uh, man, we've got a very special guest today, uh, Combat Craig, who's got just an awesome YouTube channel. Uh, he's also sharing tips, tricks, and lessons learned. And uh, one thing that's really interesting about both of us is that we're both Air Force veterans. We're both Air Force combat veterans from, uh, from different wars. Uh, different eras, but uh, but Combat Craig's going to talk a little bit about his PTSD experiences from Desert Storm, Desert Shield, and before that, and I'm going to talk a little bit about combat experiences from Afghanistan, from Operation Enduring Freedom, and our whole entire goal here in doing this piece is to get raw, real, and vulnerable about post-traumatic stress disorders and the mental health conditions that affect so many veterans and their families, okay? So, um, you know, sometimes you see us on camera and you might think that we've got it all figured out. Uh, and I can tell you, we don't. And we struggle with the same things that you guys struggle with on a daily basis, okay? So Craig, thanks for being here, man. Uh, I wanna turn it over to you though. Can you just talk a little bit about your combat experiences and some of the stressors that you've gone through? I certainly can, and thanks for having me. So um, I, uh, I arrived at uh, Insulik Air Base in 1990, and uh, basically I came like four days after Desert Shield started. So I arrived, you know, just my, my second base, brand new airman, uh, A1C or whatever, um, and I showed up there, and it was just immediately just the ramp up to uh, Desert Storm. Um, just kind of over the next four months, um, our little base with uh, 2,000 people, dependents, uh, elementary school, junior high, high school, um, all that stuff just started turning into tent cities. Um, yeah. Really close to January when the war started is when all the evacuation stuff happened. But basically all the schools were turned into barracks. Um, tent cities went up uh, everywhere. And it was just a, a stressful thing to watch. Um, yeah. So this happened over the course of like four months. And then Desert Storm actually started on uh, January 18th of 1991 uh, at like two, three in the morning. And um, we'd been playing in our mop gear. Usually it's mop, uh, mop gears, the chemical soup stuff. Uh, we always had uh, stuff, you know, you could drag it around in the mud and, you know, just, uh, just trained in it. So we were issued, um, you know, real world uh, mop gear and gas, gas, gas came over the radio. And um, wow. that was like the, oh, you know, this is a, I, I just didn't know what to expect, um, except missiles raining down on us because I was in uh, yeah. southern Turkey and it's literally like eight minute flight to, uh, to Baghdad. So um, over the next, that was, the, that, that night was my first stressor. 
Um, over the next six weeks, I dealt with um, attacks at the in the town that I was in, which is Adana, Turkey. Um, some Patriot missiles uh, went off, and it was just being in a constant um, state of alert all the time. Yeah. And to compare that to something, um, you know, because this is my experience. In 1989, I was in uh, Operation Just Cause in Panama, and um, the Panamanians hated Noriega, and they wanted to see him go. So it was totally safe to go off the base. You know, people were all about us, like, get him out of here. It, you know, he was ruining the economy and everything. And then we were able to see the enemy, too. You know, we had the U.S. military versus, you know, whatever, a couple thousand people. So you could kind of see how they're organized or, um, or unorganized. So switching back over to the Desert Storm experience, um, you just couldn't really, you know, I couldn't see the enemy. Just we saw the uh, F-15s, F-16s, indestructible, right? They'd come back with 50 cal um, holes in them and, uh, and stuff like that. It was just, wow. uh, it, it was trippy um, seeing what happened, sitting in the foxholes. Uh, I was in law enforcement and I pretty much just sat in a foxhole guarding the, the flight line for about six weeks straight. So um, it was, for me, it was just uh, over the course of, uh, of a couple of months, the war was only um, six weeks long, but you know, I saw the holes in the planes. Um, some people did uh, in, end up losing their lives and they would come from Saudi Arabia and come through Turkey most of the time. So I saw coffins. Um, yeah. It was just that kind of stuff just kind of wore on me. And, you know, I, I guess I'd like to say combat zones, you know, they affect everybody differently. There's, uh, you know, the chemical attack um, and not actually seeing the enemy is totally different than face to face. And I can't speak to that. Um, but, you know, that ultimately um, ended up to my getting kicked out instead of, you know, I just started having problems. And now I'm not, don't feel safe around my supervisor with my gun. And yeah. um, all this stuff just kind of ended up uh, in me getting kicked out of the, out of the Air Force. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for, for sharing those things. I know some of that stuff is not fun to think about and relive, right? But part of the reason why we're doing this um, you guys and gals is to be raw, real, and vulnerable with you uh, and to share our experiences, which by the way, regardless of whatever issue you're suffering from, whatever mental health condition you have, whether it's PTSD combat, some type of a PTSD non-combat, maybe it's an anxiety disorder, maybe it's an adjustment disorder. Um, a lot of the symptoms, it really, it, it's different for everybody. The stressors are different. Um, you know, you think about how can a Navy SEAL who's done eight plus, you know, combat tours to these austere locations performing night raids, you know, basically shooting people, how can that person be totally fine? And then on the flip side, you've got somebody who was barely in the combat zone who is completely affected by post-traumatic stress disorder. We just, medically, we don't know yet. We just don't know why certain things and stressors and triggers affect different people in the way that they do, right? All we know is that they do affect you. And so if you're hearing my voice right now, I want you to know that it's okay to not be okay, okay? What's not okay is if you don't get help, 
right? right? And that's what we don't want. Combat Craig and I want you guys to step forward and to get help for whatever you're going through and to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. Even though, you know, we're these guys on camera, we're just like you. We struggle with these issues on a daily basis. Okay. So awesome. Thank you for sharing that stuff, Craig. Um, what about you? What was your, uh, what was your experience like, like a stressor or the main one or? Yeah. So a, a couple things um, for me, I deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. I deal with an anxiety adjustment disorder. Um, major depressive disorder is wrapped into that. Um, as well as a rare mood disorder called cyclothymia, um, which if you've, you can Google it, I guess, if we're done, but it's basically a milder form of bipolar, um, which was really scary for me to, you know, to find that out. And I hate labels. I hate being right. labeled with something. And so I was so ashamed um, of having that tied to my name. And... Um, but if I'm being real with myself, that's exactly what it is for me. Um, and so I'll talk about the stressors here in a second, but the cyclothymia has been something that has really affected me a lot being the VA Claims Insider because as an entrepreneur, there's so many ups and downs uh, in, in running a company uh, and in leading, right? When you start building right. a team. And um, so cyclothymia, if you, if you basically think of a normal person, right? You're sort of operating about here in terms of your stress and anxiety levels, right? You might you might have a stressful day at work, right? And that kind of kicks you up, right? You're, you're stressed. But then you're able to kind of come down and you sort of center here again, right? And then maybe you have another hard day, but you figure it out a day later, something fun happens, right? And you're, you're sort of able to keep even keeled, right? If you've heard that term before saying somebody's, you know, this person's really even keeled, right? They're never too high. They're never too low. Well, that's not me, right? So somebody with bipolar has these extremes. If you think of like a, a sine curve, right? A sine or a cosine curve, you sort of are either way too high or way too low, right? You're either super alert, super jumpy, super happy, super ecstatic, or you're way down here, depressed, lonely, and isolation. Cyclothymia is that same thing, only a little bit less severe than bipolar. And so for me, I'm sort of always going like this, right? I'm, I'm sort of never right here. I'm either too high or I'm too low, and I, I struggle to find that center. So as an entrepreneur, that's been... Now, something that's been really difficult to overcome, and uh, but I've, I've found some things that really helped me, uh, including some amazing teammates, my fiance who's amazing, our children, uh, my own family, my brother's a, a doctor, and so, you know, we talk about some of these issues, um, but really, it's just been being honest about it, right? being, being real with you know, I got this stuff going on and, and some days I'm just not okay. And, you know, some days I'm, I'm too depressed to get out of bed and I don't want to do anything. Um, and it's just being able and free to admit that is, I think, a huge step in the right direction. But, uh, but I'll go back here to the stressors. So uh, I deployed to uh, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom uh, and was stationed at Kandahar Airfield, Afghanistan. Um, and 
what I noticed for me was my, my post-traumatic stress disorder actually started as we were going from Manus or Manas in Kyrgyzstan, uh, dropping into Afghanistan, right? So you come flying in on that mill craft and because of everything going on in Afghanistan, you come in at, at a hot landing, right? So you think of when you, know, you land in a commercial airliner, it's a very safe descent, right? right. To, to where you land. Well, when you're coming into a combat zone, that isn't how you come in, right? You come in hot and all of a sudden you're you know, at 15,000 feet and you basically do a nosedive to come in and land as fast as you can to get out of the air. And so that's when I think it started to become real for me was that this was not normal, um, right. sort of heightened and alert. And then of course, um, being in Afghanistan, tons of stuff happened, right? Regardless of where you were located, whether you were inside the wire or outside the wire, there was constant mortars, rockets, indirect fire, uh, the, the siren, the giant voice would go off alerting you know, base personnel that there was an attack. Um, and even some of those things still stick with me now of certain smells, right? Like the smells of fireworks. Um, I hate being in crowds of people. Now I will purposely avoid being in a situation where I feel like I'm surrounded and I can't get out. Um, being super suspicious, hypervigilance, um, strange rituals in my own home of checking doors and locks and windows and extra security systems and things like that. Um, stuff that is not normal are things that I deal with on a daily basis. Um, and so, you know, some of those stressors though, they follow you home, right? right. And so that's, that's just a snapshot uh, of some of the things, uh, Combat Craig, that had happened. Hopefully that the, um, Sticking with the uh, surveillance uh, uh, system, do, do you have one, like a, like a DVR or ring doorbell or something? Or? Oh, absolutely, yeah, we've got a ring. Um, I've got a full security system with cameras everywhere in our house that monitors inside, outside, um, absolutely. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I, I, I have a monitoring um, outside and I've had a some system or another for probably the last 10 years. And uh, it's kind of, it's good and bad. I find myself in it looking for things that don't exist sometimes, but wow. it's a peace of mind. So um, that's something that I can control. I'm super paranoid and worried about what's going on outside. So if I just glance, you know, maybe it's just knowing that um, I don't have to be doing it with my own eyes and the cameras don't blink. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It's not normal to, um, to have cameras and be in them all the time, but that's just kind of part you know, of what we deal with. with. Yeah. Just, just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. Talk, let's, you know what, let's talk. So we've started to talk a little bit about symptoms. Um, some of post-traumatic stress disorder, mental health systems for, for combat veterans, especially, and even, you know, non-combat and MST type situations, military sexual assault and trauma. Um, unfortunately, human beings will turn to our vices, right? We turn to things to try to cope with our symptoms. Um, I'm, I'm guilty of it, right? Drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex. We do things to try to cope or manage with the symptoms. And I was just wondering, um, you know, Combat Craig, from your perspective, how have you uh, dealt with your symptoms, maybe the wrong way at times? 
Can you share some of that? Yeah, yes. So yeah, I guess it's the wrong way and the right way. Um, when I got out, um, I was basically kicked out. So um, saying I had a bad taste in my mouth about the government would be an understatement. Yeah. So I didn't know anything. Uh, you know, YouTube didn't exist at the time, obviously. Um, it was harder to find out information about VA claims than it is now. And um, that's just not where I was. So um, I didn't know that I could get help and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I turned to uh, drugs and alcohol. Um, first, it was mainly alcohol. That would um, let me just kind of get into a stupor and I just didn't care. It dealt with the depression well, the anxiety well, um, or whatever, you know, well at the time. But um, mm -hmm. then you get too drunk, right? So need something so you can... Um, uh, last longer. So that uh, turned into doing coke for me. And um, wow. yeah. I had problems with uh, with uh, money at the time and, and coke was very expensive. So then that kind of transitioned over to doing meth. And the whole combo just kind of one way or another, the alcohol was kind of in the center of it. And yeah. then these other drugs just kind of helped it, you know, kind of helped me stay awake or whatever. And I was like that for, you know, a good 10, 12 years before I finally was like, all right, I need to do something real, go start, you know, see a psychiatrist, see a psychologist, and replace these things with, um, you know, in a controlled environment, you know, deal with, yeah. uh, it, ironically, the VA doesn't like uh, Xanax, but it works. And um, I'll take yeah. that, you know, any day over my self-medicating stuff that I did. Absolutely. What about you? What did uh Yeah. Wow. Thank how you. was that for you when you got out? Yeah, thanks for sharing that stuff. You know, that's in being vulnerable, right? I mean, that's tough to to talk about, but I think again, you're admitting it, you're getting help. That's the biggest thing that I think right. is so important for, for vets to understand. Um, so man, for me, uh, it was a combination of of alcohol drugs and gambling. Now, when I talk about drugs, it was more in the prescription drug side. Uh, which I'll, I'll talk about here in a second. Um, but the one thing that I think was always a center, a focus, and you mentioned it was alcohol for yeah. me, right? It was kind of like, it was kind of like my buddy, right? I knew that my bottle of Jack Daniels or Jim Beam was always going to be there, uh, no matter what, right? He was always going to be there for me. Um, and if he's going to get you there too. He's going to get me there, man. Yeah. And if I, if I ever ran out, no problem. I, I know yeah. where I can go get more. And so, you know, that was never an issue. And so it just, it became this crutch of, I'm going to lean on this because it can numb the pain. It can mask the hurt of what I'm dealing with, of what I was really going through. And I think exacerbating it was the military culture, which I think right. is, is a huge problem, right? For folks who are, who are listening right now, who are on active duty, um, you know, it is not normal, guys, to drink all the time. And, you know, the other thing, too, Until that I Until you find, black out, too. Right? And right. it's like, it's like it's celebrated, right? That right. Who, can, who can be the most drunk? And the other thing I found, too, is it's in our society. So, I mean, you look at in America, right? It's like, hey, we're, you know, there's a football game on. We drink, right? Someone got promoted at work. We drink. Somebody's got a, having a baby. We drink. Somebody got promoted. We drink. Some, like every single thing in American society 
if you think of events and things are surrounded with booze and man i just i have come to realize and and by the way i'm not an alcohol hater for folks who do um i've just decided that it's no good for me uh i quit drinking over a year ago haven't touched it since um but i would classify myself as a high functioning drunk right i mean i could drink with the best of them right i mean i was a professional drinker right and i get that i totally and i think a lot of people listening yeah and that too my ability to handle um the hardest of hard alcohol right i mean it didn't matter what proof it was i could handle it and so um what i've come to realize though is a combination of the alcohol, the prescription drugs. Uh, for me, it was clonopin, right? A, a fast-acting anti-anxiety. Um, it's those things, especially in combination, yes. are not good, right? right? And so, you know, for all you vets out there who are taking medications for your mental health symptoms, man, you just please read those warnings on the back of the labels where they say, you know, do not drink alcohol when taking with this, this product, because what happens is it's going to, it's going to exacerbate the symptoms of the alcohol times two or times three. And so, you know, you're going to become drunk a lot faster. You're going to lose your fine motor skills a lot faster. You're going to get angry a lot faster um, and things aren't going to go well for you. Right. And And I kind of add on to that. um, Like in the case of my drug use, I did more drugs. So that also happens when you drink, you might take more pills than you're, you know what I mean? You're you're hundred percent, man. It's like, and for anyone hearing my voice right now, maybe this sounds familiar. If one is good, two is better. Yes. If two is better, four is probably awesome. Well, if four four was good, how about eight? Right. And so you just, I think that for me, I had to get real with myself and I had to be honest with, hang on a second, you're a high functioning individual overall, right? When it comes to your ability, your God-given ability to influence people and to lead, why are you doing all these things, right? What, what are you running from? What are you hiding from? And for me, I was simply trying to escape my mental health symptoms and my PTSD and to just numb the pain. Makes sense. And I, and I know, and I know the feeling that's, uh, it's funny just getting to admitting it is the first, uh, admitting it to yourself is the first step. It is. And I'll share one more, one more thing with you, Combat Craig, while I'm thinking about it. Um, I had a business coach, I had an executive coach who was helping me. And um, where it really came out for me was he kept asking me the same question in all of our sessions. And his questions were, were you know, Brian, you're, you're a successful guy. What would it take for you to become highly successful? Right. He would ask that and I would think about it. Um, and then he would end with, what is the one thing that's holding you back or standing in your way, right? From becoming the leader, the man, the husband that you know you can be, right? And man, I had every BS answer in the book. Right. It was, you know, better market conditions or, you know, if, if I hired another person who was a marketing expert, you know, if I, 
if I start spending some more on advertising, if I reinvent this system, right? I was never honest with what the problem really was, right? which was the alcohol, right? If, right. if I answered that question honestly to my executive coach, what's the one thing that's holding you back and standing in your way? It's alcohol drugs, yeah. right? And so I just wanted to share that with you guys to let you know that regardless of where you are, right? Maybe, maybe you're drinking as you're watching this, right? Maybe you're taking drugs as you're hearing us talk. I want you to know there is a way out. There is a path out and you do not have to suffer through this alone. Some of what held me back, Combat Craig, was feeling like I, this, I'm just crazy. This is just me. I'm the only one who's doing all this stupid stuff. Right. This is you to try to, to cope. Yeah. But it, guess what? It isn't. Right. We, you and I have virtually the same story. Right. The thousands of veterans we have helped inside of our membership programs have the same story. And every single one of them admits they thought they were the only one. Right right? Which is just shocking. And so I'm telling you, you're not the only one. It's all of us. It's all of us. All right. So let's, um, let's go into a little bit about just some of the social stuff, right? The social and occupational issues. Um, you know, you guys hear me talk about when I do a lot of these videos and when Combat Craig talks about mental health conditions, that all VA mental health claims come down to occupational and social impairment, right? How are your conditions affecting your work, your life, and your social functioning? And it's easy to say that, but sometimes we don't actually get into what does that really mean? What does that mean for you? How are you being affected in your work, in your life, in your social functioning? Can you share some of that? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And um, it actually did start, the both of them started uh, back in 1991, um, I'll talk about the occupational stuff um, first. Um, I went into uh, uh, junior college, ended up in there for five or six years floating around. Um, so I never could really get that done. All the jobs I've had in the last 28 or so years, I've always, you know, ended up in me getting fired. You know, it's a, a year here, two years. I've never really been able to get a career together. And I never really kind of was able to point back to uh, my time in the service. I just thought there was, I mean, there's something wrong with me. I just didn't really know exactly what it was. Um, so from an occupational um, standpoint, I've just always had a challenge, you know. One way or another, I'm going to get into, I'm going to butt heads with my boss or a coworker, and that's the end of it. I'm the one that um, always ends up going. Um, as far as the social part, uh, you know, uh, the friends, I have friends, friends are your homies, you know, that stuff works for me. Um, but at the same point, my friends and my family um, aren't around me. I live out in the country. I talk to them on the phone and I interact with them when it's convenient for me. Uh, so maybe that's why that's working. Um, as far as like my love life goes, I was married for uh, 13 years and uh it just we just grew apart and i just you know wore her down with my you know surveillance camera stuff and where i sit in the restaurant just not trusting anybody so yeah i lost the marriage 
over this stuff. So between the, um, you know, just never really having a solid job, never really been able to maintain a, um, you know, real love life kind of relationship. Uh, that that's what it means for me. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. And again, we've got a similar story. Um, I've struggled a little bit less occupationally than what you described, but uh, probably a little bit more on the social side. Um, so for me, uh, when I separated from the military in 2012, I was fortunate enough to jump right into a civil service position, essentially doing the exact same type of contracting procurement and program management work that I was trained to do in the military. Um, why did I lean that way? Because it was safe, because I knew exactly what I was going to be getting myself into. I couldn't possibly comprehend doing something else at the time. I had to do only what I knew I could do, right? And it was that. And that, um, that actually works because my option was law yeah. enforcement. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that in, uh, you know, in a big city. So, yes, yep. anyway. I get you. Totally Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it was, what, what did I know? What could I expect? What was going to be safe for me? So I knew I wouldn't just freak out and blow up, right. Or, or somehow end up in a situation where I could get myself fired. Well, unfortunately I had, you know, some memory issues, a lot of short-term memory issues, spatial disorientation, which we'll talk about in a little bit more detail, what that means. Um, but really the anger, the outbursts, the anger, and the anxiety of trying to function in a cube farm, right? I'll never go back. I can't. I cannot function in a cube environment surrounded by too many people, too much noise, right? That's why I work from home. That's why I sit behind this laptop and do the things I do because this is what's safe for me, right? If that makes sense. So that's some of the issues with the work stuff. Um, that I have dealt with. And then when it comes to, to social and just life, right? Let's, let's talk about life. So unfortunately I did get divorced as well. Um, in 2017, I was married to a, another active duty member. Um, and while she understood that she was one of the few people who could relate and understand what I was going through, I just, I feel like I was a monster of you know the the alcohol the drugs the things that were going on within the household um frankly i, I don't blame her one bit for, right. for wanting out um and so yeah i've you know I've, I've ruined that relationship i'm thankful now i'm i'm in another relationship with an amazing woman um who gets me she understands the stuff i deal with on a daily basis she's very much even keeled um, and can try to help center me. Yeah, that helps them. Even when I'm, yeah, even when I'm, when I'm crazy. And so. And your eyes are wide open to the alcohol issue. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. Knowing, knowing that I'll never go back. Right. right. I, mean, I will never go back to that place. Um, so that on the the marriage kind of family issues there, um, and then on the social side, you know, what a lot of people probably don't know is that I really don't have friends. Right. And, and it's easy to look at me and say, you know, yeah, but you've got a ton of followers on Facebook. Right. Look at all the people that are watching you on YouTube and look at all the people that email you and all the folks that need you. Right. Those are not real relationships. Right. right. That's a persona. That's a brand. That's what we do to market so that I can serve 
veterans with my God-given gifts and abilities, which, you know, I know I'm supposed to do this, but those are not real friends. Right. Right. And so um, I've really struggled with that over the past five or six years. Um, I've realized that I'm not a great friend because to be a great friend, you've got to be a great giver and you've got to be willing to devote your time. You've got to step out. You've got to take a risk. You got to get a little bit uncomfortable. Right. And that's been hard for me day on days when, you know, I'm afraid to leave my own house. Right. Or the idea of going to an event or supporting something of who's going to be there. Where am I going to sit? How many people are going to be there? Right. What, you know, what are they going to be wearing? What's, what's the music going to be like? Is it going to be too loud? You start all of a sudden telling yourself, this isn't safe. I can't go. Yeah. You're just totally talking yourself out of it with a checklist of 20 things before your second thought enters your mind. Yes. You talk yourself out of it, brother. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I am working on right now with, you know, our own counselors and our therapists is just having this ability to say, you know what, maybe it's going to be okay. Maybe it's okay to reach out to somebody close to you. Maybe it's okay to invite somebody into your home. Right. But that's, that's been a struggle for me um, as I've gone through this. It's a, uh, it's interesting. I'm going through, uh, I have a VA psychologist that I see. Um, one of the things I'm working on is road rage. Yeah. And, um, we're kind of going through it. And he told me, um, Hey, just, uh, one of my problems is I just can't stay behind people. Um, I'll make up a lot of excuses. One that's kind of real is there's deer running around out here and I've hit a few. So I yeah. don't want to have to react to somebody else. I want to be out in front, but really it's just, I don't want to be behind somebody. I just feel better when I can see what's going on. So he's like, Hey, you know, try to, try to follow. And, um, you know, you're not in a hurry. You're not working or anything. You're not in a rush. And I still have to zoom around people. So yeah. we're in baby steps land. And, um, that's, what's kind of cool about this guy. If we need to take quarter baby steps or half baby steps, I'm now realizing that it's the, when I get out of my house, I'm just kind of rushing to get back. So it's just kind of, it's interesting. Um, once you start talking about it, um, it's interesting what you discover. So you have yeah, to be you, in the right place and you got to be ready to, you know, at, reach out and ask for help. But it's amazing what comes back because you just can't see it because you're in your own head. Man, you are spot on. And, you know, the first kind of what we've talked about, I think, is the first step is just admitting yeah. that there might be a problem, right? That's all you have to do. And I'm not, I'm not saying you have to, you know, sit there and follow the, the 10 steps or go to AA or I'm not saying that. I think you just have to, if you're hearing my voice right now and, and this is resonating with you, you have to say or admit or write down to yourself, right? You can say it quietly that, you know, I think there might be a problem. Alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, something you're doing that's hurting you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, something's hurting you. It's bringing you down and it's holding you back from being the person that you can be, right? From being that productive member of society, right? Or trying to be. It's admitting that first. And then it's going, you know what? I think I'm going to pick up the phone and call VA mental health right? If you're a combat or non-combat veteran, right? I'm going to call mental health. I'm going to book an appointment. You're probably going to get with like a, a social worker at first. 
um, you know, somebody who's going to kind of pre-screen and ask you some questions and all of that. And this is your chance. You've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it forever to be uncomfortably vulnerable. That's the time to lay it out. Stuff Man, never even said before. That's the time to do it. You have to unload. You have to get the things off of your chest. The things that you've done or the things that you're still doing to try to cope with whatever your mental health symptoms are, right? And then start thinking about your symptoms, right? What are your symptoms? And then what are you doing to cope? Now, right. we've talked about a lot of the unhealthy things. There are some healthy things that you know I'm learning to do as well. Things like trying to work out, going for walks, forcing yourself to leave the house, finding enjoyment in your kids, right? I've got a couple beautiful children, uh, five and six years old. So you've got to find something that you can focus your attention on and then make that decision that this is important. These things are worth living for. And if I'm going to be the kind of man or spouse or brother or sister that I can be, that I'm supposed to be, I realize I can't do this alone. I need to get some help. Right. right? And then you're going to get that help. And so I would encourage you guys hearing our voices right now, no matter where you are, no matter how broken you are, maybe you're homeless. Right? Maybe you're watching this video in a, in a homeless shelter. It doesn't matter how broken you are. What matters is what you do about it. Right. What action are you going to take to take a tiny step forward? Right. And you're going to fall back again. Right. You're going to get kicked in the teeth again. You're going to have bad days again. But fall forward. Don't fall right. backwards. Right. Yeah. And that's a, just to kind of add on to that. Um, the little baby steps uh, that I'm taking. Uh, through the psychologist, it's just, uh, you have to pat yourself on the back. You have to acknowledge, yeah, these are the things in my life that are worth living for. And um, instead of just doing, you have to, it, it's so different for me right now, just thinking about things versus just reacting. And a lot mm -hmm. of that's just reacting out of frustration and anger. And, and you're right, there's plenty of the bad stuff. The good stuff needs to, you need to like look at it and great, I did something good. It's funny. It's seems so simple and it is a lot of people just do it but um i'm having yeah. to kind of relearn all this stuff absolutely man i was uh, actually my fiance and i were, were listening to a segment this morning uh with tony robbins I, I love tony robbins i've been a follower of him for a long time if, if you don't know who tony robbins is google and read some of the stories he's got tons of books out um but it's amazing one of the things that he was really sharing is that so many human beings, regardless of whether you're dealing with a mental health condition or not, focus on the negatives. They focus on all the things that drag them down, all the reasons why they're broke, all the reasons why their life sucks, all the reasons why they should just end things. And what he talks about is that every single day, we have a decision. Every single day, you have a decision of how you're gonna to react to things, of the beauty you're gonna look for and find in things. And that decision is yours and yours alone. And some people make it and some people don't, right? Now, don't get me wrong, it's hard. There's right. days when, there's days when I, I fall away and I freak out and everything's wrong and the world sucks and everything's gonna end, right? But I'm, I'm now trying to center myself back 
on that idea that you can make a decision to get help, to get better, to see the beauty in things, right? So that you can get help and get better. That's what this is all about. And you're actually seeing proof of that too, right? The, um, the, the times you actually make the effort, you know, you, you are able to kind of go like that and get back to flat. Uh, the good 100%. thing, like I'm going to have a good day and, and that's not getting in my way. And you make a conscious effort to do that and you actually have a good day. So it's nice when you can look back and like, hey, I just proved it to myself, you know, again, little Absolutely. Kind of baby step kind of thing. But you get that positive momentum going. It makes a huge difference. A, a little win, man. A little win goes a long way. We're, we're in the momentum business. Right. Human beings are in the business of momentum and creating that. And even if it's something tiny, you can chalk that up as a little win um, to try to move yourself forward. That's been helpful for me. Right? And it sounds like it has been for you. And the other thing uh, that I do to help me cope, um, things get chaotic. Right, things get crazy, and I found for me that mindfulness meditation helps. So I, I have an app on my phone um, called Calm, and uh, I'm not endorsing them or anything like that, but I use an app on my phone called Calm, and I do anxiety meditations, right? De-stressing, um, better sleep. There's um, coping and calming anxiety, and you can do things for five, ten, twenty minutes a day where you can just focus on your breathing and try to center yourself, no matter how chaotic things are, um, that's been helpful for me, the, the mindfulness meditations. Yeah, breathing, I have a, uh, I, I don't wear it anymore, but um, I have an Apple Watch and the little breathe thing would come on and I kind of looked into it more. That's amazing what 30 seconds of just sitting there and just focusing on your breathing will do. There's actually something yeah. to all that that, uh, I've heard about all these years and just kind of ah, breathing and blew it off. Being yeah. open to all those things that just seem so simple, a, a little child can understand. Uh, but you got to be in the right headspace to, you know. Yeah. You got to see it. All right. And the last, the last thing I want to bring up, um, and you can close uh, Combat Craig with anything else you want to add. Um, the last thing I want to bring up is I want to talk real quick to everybody who's not a veteran and you might be listening to this, maybe you're a military spouse, um, maybe you're the person who divorced the people we are, right, that we're talking about. Yep. Um, maybe you're a child who's you know, watching their parent go through this. What I want to encourage you to do, all right, is have the courage to have the hard conversation with somebody. Ask somebody if they're okay, and I don't, I don't just mean, you know, how you doing today? Good, right? Like we all do. I mean, ask them for real. How are you really doing, man? You know, you seem, you seem a little bit depressed today, dad. You know, um, hey, you know, have this conversation with your spouse, right? You know, you don't, you seem a little off today. You having, you know, some anxiety, some depression, you know, what's going on? Ask the hard questions. If you think somebody's suicidal, Ask them if you think they might take their own life. Ask them that question, okay? Hey, are you, are you thinking about hurting yourself? It's okay to ask them that question. You might just save somebody's life, okay? And so it is so important. You never know what is going on inside of somebody's brain. And the outward appearances can totally hide 
they can totally mask what that person is truly, truly dealing with. Okay, so I'm, I'm urging you, I'm asking you, please ask the hard questions of your loved ones, okay? Yeah, um, to add to that, um, yes, we're both on a camera now and we, we talk a lot on camera. Um, for me, um, that's about 10 minutes of, of, uh, of being on camera, what it takes to psych myself up and, you know, think about it, get out of bed, deal with the pain. Um, I probably look like I have it pretty together um, on camera and on my uh, videos, but that's, uh, I'm getting better. I committed to uh, doing it. It's kind of like therapy. Uh, this yeah. session with you right now is like therapy because I'm learning something new about you and, and what you're saying is something that I've uh, dealt with. You know, just, we have a lot of, it's trippy. We have a lot of stuff in common. We do. We really do. And that's, you know, Combat Craig, part of the reason why we wanted to do this for you guys was to share that there's a lot of things you don't see that happen off camera, right? I mean, I'm able to get my energy level up to force myself to get ready for the camera, all right? But when that camera goes off, you don't necessarily see the anxiety, the depression, the insomnia, the nightmares, the anger, the panic, the I don't wanna be around anybody else the rest of the day that don't talk to me. The people who have to bear that burden are the people who live with me yep. on a daily basis, right? And so, and Combat Craig, maybe for you, that's your dog. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's Clyde. He's, uh, he, he could deal with a little bit better. But yeah, that, that used to be my, uh, my ex. And yeah, unfortunately, that didn't work out. That was too much yeah. uh, for her. Yeah, awesome. Well, man, this has been awesome. Thank you for making the time. Is there anything else that you want to leave with, uh, with the listeners, anybody watching this, anybody that might be dealing with a mental health condition? Um, you're not alone. I know a lot of people say it. Um, and I think a lot of people are usually steered toward emission, like, uh, you know, if you're a drinker, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or whatever, just somebody. It doesn't need to be a professional necessarily, but you do need to, you know, if you need help, ask, ask somebody. And if you're uh, in a position like you're saying a child or a spouse or something, and you see somebody's looking a little off, you just really don't know. And um, until you ask the question, uh, you won't find out. Suicide is a huge problem with uh, veterans. And yeah. I, I've been suicidal. I, I know what that feels like. It's a, uh, the darkest of dark places. So um, communicate, ask questions. It literally will save somebody's life. Awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm glad you brought that piece up about suicide because um, it is a huge problem, not just in our world, not just in our country, but especially in the military, in the veteran population uh, for so many reasons, right? I think that maybe we won't go into today, but um, yeah, be on the lookout and ask those hard questions. And if you are in a dark place, please call the hotline. There's a yeah. suicide crisis hotline. Please pick up the phone, call, get help. Your life matters. Your life means something, okay? And we need you and you're not alone, okay? All right, Combat Craig. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you being vulnerable. Um, I really, I do wanna do this again sometime. 
because um, I think this was super valuable. I mean, this was therapeutic for me as well, right? Good, so, glad uh, to hear it. Yeah, it really was. And so, um, all right, guys, vets. Again, Brian Reese and Combat Craig are out. We appreciate you guys. Please drop a comment here on YouTube or wherever you're watching this from. Um, if you need some help, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. That's what we're here for. All right. Have a great day, guys. All right. Have a good one.